0: This is the Liberty Hour, where these important issues will be discussed for the sake of America's future. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Constitution in the other, here's your host, Sean Thompson.
1: This is the Liberty Hour. Each and every Sunday night, 8 to 9, or now our new podcast, which you're listening to right now, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, 9.05 a.m., To 10 o'clock, unless my dog gets sick again. And I want to thank each and every one of you. It was so nice to um, have the Twitters. Is that what that's called? No, let's call them tweets. To have the tweets checking on my boy Mo. And I call him Mo because uh, at the time I got a Boston Terrier, 15 and a half years ago, uh, my wife and I, we had at that time just had our second baby. This is a great story. So we just have our second baby. And I mean, the kid is weeks old. And we took our first daughter because, we, you know, my wife was you know, were being berated by all the new moms and dads. And um, there we go. Thank you very much. Um, so we had all this thing. We don't want to make the first baby feel left out. You've got to be concerned with the first baby. So I took her to a pet store. I take her to a pet store. And uh, she's the cutest thing in the world. You know, two-year-old little girls in a pet store. You can imagine. It's chaos. And she's playing with all the dogs. And my wife gives me, you know particular instructions you can imagine we were a little later in life when we had kids uh, my wife gives me particular instructions listen do not buy the dog all right you can p- go in and we'll play with the dog but we are not buying a dog the baby is at her mother it's the three of us and she's playing with all the dogs and this one chocolate lab is looking at my daughter and th- th- she won't take her eyes off my daughter And there's all other kids and i'm thinking to my wife we got to get this lab this thing is beautiful we got to get it She's like, no, we're not getting a dog. And then all of a sudden, my wife sees this Boston Terrier. My daughter sees this Boston Terrier. And we take her in the little, him in the little circle. And he's biting everybody. And he's just a ferocious. I said, this guy looks like Mo Sislak uh, from The Simpsons. His eyeballs are hanging out of his head. I said, come on. You know I, I didn't have a Boston Terrier. My wife, on the other hand, did when she was a little girl. So we leave the store. I get my daughter. And we're halfway home. My daughter says, Dad, Dad. And I said, what? She said, I forgot my black and white dog. And there was something in there, I just broke my heart. I said, you know what, I'm going to get the dog. And my wife says, don't you dare. So we go back to the mother's house, and I have a niece at the time who was like 11. And uh, we used to take her for ice cream. She's like, come on, let's go for ice cream. I said, I'm going to take Andrea you know, for ice cream. Get in the car, and I take her, and we go get the dog. And I come back, and it's chaos. Now my, we've got a new baby that's a week old. i got a two-year-old and a puppy. Well, what happens is that dog becomes part of your family, as so many of you understand and now here we are 15 and a half years later, and, you know, it's the end of the road for my guys. We had to have his teeth pulled. He's got one tooth in his head. Those eyes that hang out of his head, he's blind. We don't think he can hear. You know, so we're convalescing the guy. But still, it's, this, is your, this is your guy. This is my guy. So uh, he's been having seizures lately. He had a little one, a little minor mishap over the weekend. We've been very concerned. And I got a text message that he uh, was sick and was very nervous, so I had to cut the podcast short yesterday. And I do appreciate it. We had our one uh, fan, Verlon, give us a call. And if you want to give us a call, it's 312-642-5600. And what we had talked about, I really wanted to get into. And because of my distraction and everything going on, I didn't get into the most important part. And then we'll move on from this Florida election thievery. Because it's, it's a pattern. And that's what we need to establish. And what I was trying to convey is it's a pattern that if you're from Chicago, you know. Come on. Unless you were born yesterday, unless you're in some incubator somewhere, you don't understand. We are the hub of political corruption. We are this, the perfection. This is the, uh, the experiment that New York and New Jersey were trying to get to. We are at that point where it is so corrupt that the people just give up and you buy into it. And we know that these little corrupt Ciceros and even towns like I live in, they're all just pathetic pay-to-play patronage parking lots of sit here till your pension kicks in and you could pretend to be better than your neighbor, right? We, we know that. But when it happens in states like Florida, it kind of is demoralizing because most of us think, okay, it's, it's terrible here. But we can always go somewhere else at the end of the road. And this is even for the people who are in on the scam. You know, these guys who... Uh, know that these pensions and that these these clout jobs and these ghost jobs are phony, do you think when they retire they stay in Illinois? Some of very, very few. The majority flee that first pension check when they realize, and it's going to go up 3% every year. Why the hell would you stay here? It's it's here. It's what, the middle of November? It's two degrees outside, for God's sakes. You get the hell out of here as soon as possible. So I have chosen to put my future in Florida. So this is a particularly in, you know important race to me. And um, one of the things that goes talked about in this debate of counting ballots, as you hear both the two-bit socialist Obama wannabe con man Gillum and that mannequin, that picture of uh, impotence and, a, and the walking ad for Viagra senator from florida his name is irrelevant it's when he learns to move his forehead i'll learn how to get his name right um the reason they keep chanting count the ballots count the ballots is because in florida they have this thing called provisional ballots and this is what i didn't get to yesterday a provisional ballot is basically created so that anybody with zero credentials can walk into a a polling place and say hey I just registered, you might not have the documentation. Or, hey, um, I moved, and you don't have the documentation. But this is my name, and this is an address. So provisional ballots are cast by people who cannot be verified at the time of voting. Now, I want you to think about that. So that means anybody can walk into a polling booth and give a simple address and a name without identification. And it's, they get a ballot that is exactly the same as that Floridian who has been there since the 60s. Just, just picture the, the, the foundation of corruption in that rule. So I give a name, I go in, and I vote. Now, these provisional ballots, the rule, and this is very important, the rule is they are to be kept separate, separate from the rest of the ballots until they can be verified. That seems, if you're going to have a stupid rule, at least have a safety net, a separation, so that we can maybe say, okay, well, let's go through this, and lo and behold, all these names are fake, and all these addresses can't be verified, so this entire box of ballots is garbage. That's how it's supposed to, the safety net, that stop uh, from fraud is supposed to happen. But what this rat, this proven, proven, Corrupt scoundrel in Snipes. What she did is, she didn't separate it. In fact, she mixed the ballots. An untold number of thousands of ballots have been mixed in with legitimate voters of Florida. So I want you to, how could you possibly call any of the results from this entire county, and I mean that, that are not absolutely verifiable, they are fake Unless you know, for instance, you can go through Mrs. Jones lives at Gulf Ocean Mile, the 19th floor, Unit uh, 1901, and she's lived there for 30 years, her vote counts. The rest of it is a scam and a lie because the idea that they have come up with 80,000 votes after, after the time frame, and yet the, uh, unimaginably they're Democrats. So not only did you come up with these 80,000 votes, oh, by the way, they're Democrats. I mean, can anybody within, with an IQ over 60, with the integrity of a junkyard dog, say that this is right, what's happening here? But yet CNN has this woman on, they give her, um, they give her a venue to come on and basically say, hey, Um, everything's going to be fine and I'm going to continue to count and they're going to talk about the time frame she's allotted rather than what exactly it is. And the fact that she is allotted a time frame is is the crime. So there is no question in my mind that when she's done, the Democrats will have, if not won, they will have tied. And I want you to hear it from this woman herself. Will you get your counting done on time, the Thursday deadline you have, the Friday deadline with military and
0: out-of-country ballots after it? Will you be ready on Thursday?
2: Absolutely. My team and I are working very hard, very diligently to make sure that that happens.
1: So you're saying 100% you'll have the count done to everybody's satisfaction? I'm
2: saying 100%. We have a staff that's highly trained, they're capable, they're competent, and we've set the goal of making sure that all of our the information new, is in according to the schedule.
1: All right. So now is there anybody that seriously believes that this woman is going to? Now, why is first of all, why isn't the provisional ballot questioned, number one? Number two, if you can do it now, why couldn't you do it on election night? Because she didn't have the numbers that she needed to overturn return the true vote of the Floridians. See, that's what this is about. Now she has that exact number. So all she has to do now is manufacture the amount of votes it takes to get her two people over. Thank you. Um, That's all that needs to be done. And here you go. Here's more of the open and notorious. And by the way, to my producer in there, it's bald-faced fraud. Not bold talking specifically to Keith with the perfect hair, bald-faced, without a beard. And I know we'll talk about Michelle Obama later. Here.
2: This midterm election, in addition to running very smoothly, was one of the most highly participated midterm elections probably that we've had in 20 years or more. Uh, over 700,000 folks decided that they wanted to have a voice in this election.
1: Wait a minute. That's not the number you had. In fact... That's 200,000 more than the number you had on election day. Now, out of that 700,000, how many have you verified? You think that question is going to come up by the communist Cuomo? I don't think so. It's just continue to manufacture until you get the de- desired result. And this is the problem with the system that we have as, as voters, as citizens, that we do not demand we as a public can audit Openly, You can still have a secret ballot. We we all have social security numbers, yet they they remain somewhat secret. So reissue voter numbers that are complex in nature, that instead of an ID card, I get a voter card with my specific number, a hologram, however you want to do it. We clearly have the technology to get this done. You can tell by any factory that has an entrance with a turnstile and a security card. It's the same thing for voting. This way, I can go on with my security card number. I can log into my website that we, the people, pay for, and I can say, look, here we go. My last four digits of my voter ID card is 5569. Where did 5569 vote? Bingo. Here I am. I voted for the Republican. But you have a system, the most important system in the country, that is based on trust to the least trustworthy among us, the very politician that benefits from the outcome. A Democrat hack like this woman should not be in place, and we can argue of why in, the, in government incompetence, whether it be Bush who uh, okayed her getting in there or the numerous governors that have allowed her to keep in there, but we as Americans have not called for an open, fair system that, is, that we can audit. We keep creating these bureaucracies that we turn over to politicians or their sycophants that get in power and we think they're going to do the right thing? Is there something in you that has seen in the past where a politician has done something magnanimous that didn't specifically benefit them? Is there one thing? And the answer is no, nothing. When's the last time a politician said, well, listen, I think we should have Amazon come here, and I'm going to offer $4 billion, $6 billion, whatever billion they want, Regardless of the people that pay for it, and we're going to get them here, and uh, I think so, even though I'm against it. They don't, they vote the way that benefits them particularly. They don't vote on what benefits the citizens. And my favorite example of that in recent uh, days, as as we knew before, is Chicago and Amazon. Chicago and Amazon. Chicago and Amazon is the exact example of everything wrong when you let politicians seize an economy. You let politicians seize an economy, and the next thing you know, poor people subsidize rich people. Poor people cut checks for the rich. And they cut checks in a devious way. It's not upfront. It's not like in any of these uh, talks where Amazon went that the people are going to give the money uh, in cash. No, 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 no. They're going to give it in different variances, in different ways over time so that the the amount of money can be spread out through all of the citizens. And this has always been my argument, even so much as when Trump um, talks national populism. And I have been arguing against this since Trump started to run. And I thought, and before I get into the the Trump, I'm going to get all the text messages and all the emails. What are you a never-Trumper? Let me be very, very specific. I am very happy Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton. I feel like I have to say this each and every time we talk about Trump. I am extremely happy that he has done things such as the judges. Great. Even though, to me, after John Roberts and Obamacare, the Supreme Court is less important than it should be because I think the system is corrupted. Okay, but let's go with the conservative talking point. Very happy he did that. I am also very, very happy that Donald Trump has removed the regulations he has. In fact, I think it's great. I wish he had done more, but I'll take it. Love what he did. Also love the fact, it looks like he's cut some of the bureaucracy back. Love that. So let's talk about, those are great. This is great. This is very, very good Trump. But I also was very optimistic that Trump would recognize the failures of nationalism, of national populism, of really what it is, is those are buffer words for protectionism. And that's what you see in, in this Amazon deal. That's what you see in corporatism in general. So what I'm against is corporatism promoted by Republicans or Democrats or anybody in the middle. I'm against special interests. I'm against lobbyists paying politicians to play because this is what the pattern is. From Cook County, Illinois, to Broward County, Florida, to a county in Utah, this has now become what government is. And when you have a country that openly acknowledges that the people of these two states in New York and Virginia are going to subsidize Amazon to the tune of $48,000 per job, and you have uh, uh, business channels, be it Fox, be it Bloomberg, whatever the case may be, and they're talking about it as if there is some sort of ambiguity, some sort of benefit. You have an information that is a propagandized information to people who are too busy to understand the ramifications of this kind of corruption. And this is corruption. Okay, So this Amazon thing is outrageous and shouldn't exist. But neither should this protectionist policy of tariffs. Okay? This has been an argument I have had early on, and I felt bad having it because I was having it with my side. I was having it when we had functions here at 560 AM that would be uh, back when the debates first started. I went to the first presidential debate, and I caught the hint of protectionism, and I still have it to this day to all of the people, Mo, not all of, but majority of the people who I like very much. In fact, you know, the people who checked on my boy Mo, love him. These are all the same people who said, You don't get it. It's four and five and six layers of, of chess. So this is an important discussion to still have to me because what's happened in the meantime, from that campaign in 16 to now, is that the most dangerous thing that could have happened, happened, and that is that socialists have seized the most important body of our government, the House. They have seized Congress. So it is extremely important that the president recognize when he comes together with these socialists on subsidizing major companies like Amazon, when he comes together with protectionist policies on on aluminum companies, on steel companies, there's a reason that they like it because they like the subsidized jobs. They like the idea that they now have more of an of a income, a little pop, a populist pop, so that they can spend it on infrastructure which keeps that cycle going. So either we get back to the basics of what America, of what capitalism, of what freedom in the economy is, or we simply turn it over and admit we are hoping for a well-run Venezuela. Now, how can I hone in a little bit more on that? Well, on my way to the um, podcast today, I always, as you, as you know, if you're listening to this, you're probably listening to because I called in the morning shows and I call in Joe Walsh and I've called in the different radio shows primarily on these topics of, of where I spot the lie or I spot the three-card Monty fraud. And um, I was listening to Dan and Amy and they had a guest on today Whose name I believe is Mont. He wrote the book on. You uh, didn't have that information for me, here? Well, you know what? We're going to get that. But he had this this guest on. Um, who Dan Prof's guest, David Montero. That's it. Los Angeles Times national correspondent and author of Kickback, exposing the global corporate bribery network. This is extremely important. Extremely important because if we're going to fix the American economy, we have to strip it down and bring it to its base, to its fundamentals and describe what freedom is and what corruption is. And this is corruption, okay? And when Trump implements tariffs, he's not doing this out of patriotism. He's doing this out of corruption. I'm sorry. I know it's not a popular point of view, but it is the real point of view. So we have had, in effect, the most detrimental um, tariffs, aside from oil, which we'll get to in a while, but the most detrimental tariffs we could have, and that's on steel and aluminum. And there's an American company, an american company that has not only profited but has continued to bribe and spread the corruption to other lands and that is alcoa so what is alcoa alcoa is really the the largest american aluminum company alcoa is the company that has had the largest lobbyists it is a company in which wilbur ross has used its its power to make billions of dollars under with george bush it is truly a Don Corleone-type company where they have so many politicians in their pockets like coins that they can do whatever they want. More, more importantly, they can crush any competition they want. And once they do that, they have a mandatory guaranteed profit built in. So what happens after Donald Trump implements the 25% steel and aluminum tariffs? Alcoa raises its prices 23%. And it doesn't give that money back to the workers and the American job and all the union hardhat nonsense that you want to toss around. What it does is it takes the profit and it bribes other countries to become as big there as they are here. And here's, the, here's what uh, Mr. Mon- Montero had to say about it.
0: Alcoa, a Fortune 500 company, the largest aluminum manufacturer in the world, and the $130 million in bribes it paid to the royal family of Bahrain, um, in the period leading up to the arab spring when citizens throughout the middle east were protesting against the corruption you know the this very kind of corruption that they were upset about that their rulers were engaging in alcoa was 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 doing this it was it was it used a middleman to pay all these bribes to uh, uh, allegedly the, the the prime minister of the country and then several very powerful sheiks and the royal family of bahrain is is very well documented as being a, a human rights abuser They're, they're uh, abusing especially religious minorities when the Arab Spring took place they they violently crushed uh, the uprisings in the street and uh, dozens of people died I think hundreds of people were jailed and so the bribes that Alcoa paid kept this regime in power and and and, and kept them in power because they want to keep receiving these bribes how they use that money to uh, directly stifle uh, dissent, we don't know, but we can assume that it's, it's a pillar of their support. Hundreds of millions of dollars of bribes help them stay in power and do whatever they want.
1: And when you secure these hundreds of millions of dollars of profit, you spread this kind of bribery throughout the world. So there are ramifications to protectionism. The ramifications to protectionism may look good, right? Us in Illinois, we had steel companies that couldn't compete that went out of business. So we implement these tariffs. We implement this protectionism. We guarantee these companies profit. And what happens? They give some of it back to the employees in jobs. But are those jobs real? And this is where the taint of government funding is a, is a ruse, and it can appear as success. When, in fact, it's poor people subsidizing because we are the ones, we Americans are the ones who pay that guaranteed profit. And we are subsidizing this type of waste, fraud, and abuse. And you know where else this shows up? This shows up in a GDP number by the economy. So this is where it's incentivized by a politician who wants to put a wax job on a junk. Right. This is the equivalent of going to a junkyard and waxing a car because you haven't fixed the rust. You haven't fixed the corrosion You haven't fixed the problem. You're just putting lipstick on a pig, wax on a junk. That's what a tariff is. And it's crucially important that we recognize the propaganda that happens. Now, this is steel and aluminum, and it is a pillar of an economy, and it is crucially important. But there's something even more important than that, and that's the lifeblood of really our world, and that's oil. Now, oil is under assault by these green energy hacks, these eco-Nazis who have companies directly that profit, such as Sean Kasten of Illinois, whose entire family has been subsidized and his economy, his personal economy, guaranteed through lies of global warming. And we can, they don't even want to have that debate anymore. So we now just take into account that this is how it's going to be. So it is subsidized and guaranteed by these new eco-Nazis, right? And... Alexia Orcasio cortez is my favorite. Here's a dimwit who was primarily elected by other trust fund dimwits and welfare babies. And socialism sounds good to them. Number one, because if you're a trust fund baby like J.B. Pritzker, it doesn't really affect you. Your grandpa made the money you spend. You don't need any more money. So what the hell do you care what happens to the economy? or if it's uh, supported by welfare babies, odds are you can't do it or you feel you can't do it or you want to be a victim, and there's all kinds of psychological problems that go along with that, and you're just looking for something for nothing. So you'll support the dimwits promising you utopia, and this is what we call the Democrat base. And then you have, uh, oh, I have a clip of her. All right, I, I'm not quite sure what it is, but let's, let's listen to the brilliance. Hello, Chicago. Sorry oh, no, no, about no that's the- Alexa. All right, where's Ocasio-Cortez here? a clip. you said, "Clip."
2: I just want to let you all know how proud I am of each and every single one of you for putting yourselves and your bodies and and everything on the line to make sure that we save our planet, our generation, and our future. The hell is it's it? So incredibly important. I I I you know I shared with you all and I shared my story that. Uh, that my journey here started at Standing
1: Rock. And it started with with everyday people doing exactly what... I'm not even... I can't... I can't even go through another 21 seconds of this idiot. 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 Your lives, your bodies, I want to thank you for... So in other words, anybody that doesn't share her views... I want you to think about what she's really saying. Anybody that doesn't share her views is evil, misguided, and an obstructionist to utopia. And that's what basically a socialist is selling you. But anyway, what this is going through is an attack on the very lifeblood, on the only thing in the world that's ever generated true um, prosperity and growth and convenience for the, for the human being is oil. The data is very, very clear, not to mention the frauded data they use to pretend oil is bad. Um, but what's happened is it used to be, as an old uh, fundamental guy who was a commodity trader, it used to be that you recognized how important the base of oil, all, the common denominator of everything good in your life and everything around you is, and that's oil. It used to be, when George Bush was elected, that oil could not get above $22 a barrel or $23 a barrel, and the media would freak out, because it used to be that the media knew when oil was expensive, poor people didn't stand a chance, middle-income people were going to be eaten alive just in the cost of their basic heating and their basic gas and their basic everything that they need they used to kind of remember their fundamental base economics well that's not happened anymore in fact what you have is propaganda in cnbc propaganda in even fox business news i know it's not a popular take propaganda telling you that oil must be high and i want to read you a headline because i almost couldn't believe it oil is by the way Ladies and gentlemen, oil is at $55.69 as of last night. That is an outrageously high number for a couple of reasons. Number two, the demand is very low in winter as, as compared to um, summer and, and spring and even fall for that matter because of drive times and all, this, all of this. Now, I understand heating oil, but that's a different commodity. I'm talking strictly crude. So historically, before all the propaganda of 2008, there used to be a spread that a lot of guys would put on. It was you bought heating oil, you sold crude. Because crude normally would go down for you know 60 to 90 days as heating oil went up. It was a pretty baseline uh, spread that a lot of you know investment houses and banks used to use. Because it used to be a fundamental principled pricing of this commodity. But since the, the, the new era of real Keynesianism, which some of them tout openly, since the new era of real Keynesianism, Paul Krugman-like economy and um, protectionism and all of the bad things that are frauds to the true economy, it used to be that people knew that oil had to be low. Well, now here's a headline. U.S. crude plunges 7% to a year low, settling at 5569, an extended record losing streak. Losing streak for whom? If your gas price goes down, do you lose? If your heating price goes down... Do you lose if your cement price, which it's, yes, oil is a component of cement, goes down? Do you lose your wiring, your plastics? I want you to expand just for a minute. Just think about more than four feet in front of your nose. The the ramifications of low oil is a phenomenal win. A phenomenal win for the people. But yet somehow it is sold as bad. Now you don't have to be uh, 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 somebody who worships Trump to understand the fundamentals of how bad these policies are, be it tariffs, be it this propaganda of high oil prices. You don't have to, because here's what, here's what it's, you know, I, I used to laugh. I used to think, God, are these people crazy who talk about how every war we have is over oil and how, how, you know, the whole thing with, middle east is really a ter- turmoil where we're picking our favorite tyrant in the saudis where it's just about us protecting our oil companies and our interests and our lobbying i used to think God, these guys are what a conspiracy what a whack job what a nonsense thought process that is and then you get an article buried buried in zero hedge which by the way my favorite, because it, just, it, it doesn't just grab what Drudge Report does. It doesn't just monitor CNN or Fox News. It actually does its reporting. And there is an oil pipeline that is really causing the, the, the majority of our problems with Europe. You could talk about Macron, the moron, by the way, Rothschild banker, scam artist, Macron insulting Trump over nationalism. You could talk about Merkel and her open border policy. You could talk about Italy and how now they've gone a little bit more left, a little bit more socialist. But what this is really about is that we are fighting to have these people be our newest customers for oil. I'm sorry, it's just the way it is. And here's a little article that's buried. Nordstrom, too, could be derailed by U.S. sanctions. Now, Nordstrom is a pipeline. It's a pipeline that uh, really is kind of a lifeline for Russia. And what it is is it's going it's to um, encompass oil and gas to Europe because they're tired of being held hostage by Iran. Europe is held hostage by Iran. They're extorted by us to a certain extent, and they are landlocked to get oil. So this is a pipeline that Russia has been working on for years to uh, supply Germany directly with gas. It runs under the Baltic Sea. And it is uh, a pipeline that the EU members all wanted a part of this. But we now have implemented new sanctions on on Russia. We are the ones that have jeopardized the progress of this. This goes so far as to say, even in Poland and Warsaw, it, it, this is an issue where we are strictly preventing this. Give us a call if you care to participate. 312-642-5600. So this is why I think it is... C- c- you know, imperative that we separate these self-interested corporatists from the White House, that we regulate, monitor, and and really hold down the kind of money that can be pumped into politics by these companies that benefit through this kind of corruption. Alcoa, Exelon, which, by the way, does anyone care anymore that we're getting a, a, a large part of advisor's to Washington D.C. under a new president that sound a lot like they did under Bush, they're all oilmen, they're all corporatist scum, and where's I, I just want the fight back. I think it's important we have the fight back because if we don't, we get dragged off into the particular the little the little instance, instances of a <coughs> Cortez, the little instances of uh, you know uh, certain. Um, Uh, Obamacare issues whether it's uh, pre-existing conditions rather than focusing on what exactly the fundamentals of these issues are and that to me is crucially crucially important and how does one of my favorite ones that happened was the nationalist populist globalist argument the national populist globalist argument this is something I hear repeatedly by the people who support protectionism who never did who never did, they misused the words. And Macron uh, stoked that fire. And I think he did it, number one, because it it bolsters his position up in his country, but moreover, it positions us into the tribalism that shores up the base of questioning these kind of uh, corporatist decisions. And what I mean by that is he insulted nationalists, and he said that it's not patriotic. And there's an issue a verbiage that I see happening it's like almost like when the socialists started to refer to themselves as liberals and we let them get away with it we're doing the same thing now with this nationalist patriot populist and globalist. so let's discuss it just for a moment if I can the nationalist versus the Patriot the nationalist can be a patriot and the Patriot can be a nationalist as long as it doesn't implement policies that force you into those positions For instance, the union guy from the 60s can do everything he wants to do with his life and his money from buying pro-union cars to buying American cars to specifically seeking out products that are not uh, part of the import-export industry. Fine, good for you, that's great. Now, the the patriot can be a nationalist too. He can demand that there are certain um, policies that strengthen America and not at the cost of another nation but at the benefit to America. So, for instance, you can be a patriot and a nationalist when it comes to immigration, which is what I think is a nuanced policy, which is what Simpson and Mazzoli was, which is how immigration should have been, which is, listen, anybody welcome can come here. You can go ahead and do that. However, there are certain things you must follow, whether it be a restriction on government benefits for X amount of years. But we must verify you we must make sure you're not a criminal. We must make sure you will not be a liability. And ta-da, you can also be a citizen. That is a nationalist and a patriotic position, and it is something that used to be our immigration policy. So you can have them intersect. It, does, it isn't one at the cost of another. And the other thing that's important is globalist. What is a globalist? I keep hearing this, and all of a sudden, I'm hearing it from former capitalists in this, in the sense of even in a Stephen Moore, I'm hearing it in not just advisors, but in people who are uh, economists, and it's it behooves me because globalism is when you demand that everybody have a fungible currency, and you use tariffs to implement that. So ironically, the policies of protectionism are the real benefit are are the real definition of globalism, because what you're saying is. You cannot take advantage of value delivered to you by a foreigner. That's what a protectionist is, and that's the true definition of globalism. The idea that people want free markets for free men, that want everybody to compete on a level playing field, and do so by setting that example and saying, I don't care what the bad policies are of other countries, I care what our policies are. That's not a globalist position, that's a patriotic position. That's a position of freedom of a free economy that's the position that we as american capitalists always had that's the position that we didn't like it when states implemented tariffs uh, uh, back before the civil war we didn't like tariffs that were preventative and manipulative and were extortion see this is the other thing this is extortion these, these policies this is extortion and ironically it's not of the country it's not even of the company It's extortion of the consumer. So until we get these understandings, you're just going to get pulled off into this faux definition of patriotism. You're going to get pulled off into this, this, where you have this moron, Cortez. This woman who is spewing nothing but phony, equal, social engineering, utopian statism. That's what she spews, but it works. It works. It's what got Obama in. It's what gets sympathy um, from self-loathing trust fund babies. It's what makes Michelle Obama somehow a celebrity. Because ironically, the policies of, of Trump's trade policies and protectionism, these are the policies of not just Bernie Sanders. These are the policies of Barack Obama to a certain extent. These are the policies of the Socialist Party. And these are what I'm hearing people on my team on the Tea Party discuss. And you're positioning it to where you, uh, what what are you, a never-Trumper? You can like Trump. You can respect some of his decisions. You can acknowledge the benefit to Donald Trump. And you can also have the position of saying, why are you seizing my economy and telling me it's good for me? Why are you extorting the consumer? Why are you allowing companies like Alcoa to bribe third world dictators because they're doing it with our guaranteed profit. I think it's crucially important that we understand this. I think it's crucially important that we have either a fundamental baseline that's good for one and good for all. Whether it's the ballot boxes in Florida, whether it's the the Alcoa uh, tariffs in America, or whether it's oil sanctions and sanctions on countries that simply want to compete with us, because this is the other thing. These sanctions on these countries, on Russia for the most part, they benefit America. Sure, I get it. But who else do they benefit? Saudi Arabia. They benefit Saudi Arabia, which is should be a nothing but a desert uh, camel depot. We have turned Saudi Arabia into trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars to one specific family. We guarantee and protect Saudi Arabia. We not only implement uh, some of their force, of which, by the way, we can't get any answers to, just exactly how many of our black op guys are in Yemen are helping Saudi Arabia bomb Yemen. This is about us being deceived deceived and distracted from our fundamental principles to where we have allowed government to turn us into the enforcers of very bad people and by the way if this was an oil pipeline that we allowed from russia to uh, europe would this harm us or would this create more competition see that's the thing it could possibly benefit american oil companies it could it could benefit uh, american special interests that aren't profiting specifically from high oil But most of all, it definitely would benefit you, the consumer. As a price war on oil, and oil get back down to $23, reestablish your value of your dollar. I feel like America has turned into Chicago, Illinois, where we feel the real problem is we just don't have high enough taxes. We just don't have high enough revenue, where we, the consumer, are arguing for the benefit of the, uh, the revenue of government. And when you do that, who are you chanting for and who are you chanting against? You're chanting for government tyranny. You're chanting against you yourself, the consumer. Hey, we've got our first caller here. Let's go to Tom in Deer Park. Tom, how are you, buddy?
2: I'm well, thanks. Good morning, Sean. Uh, you were uh, mentioning Saudi Arabia and, and the fact I, I think you were alluding to the uh, Western demand for energy, specifically oil has made them what they are. And I was just curious, now that uh, America seems to be on the way to uh, self-sufficiency, I think we've surpassed uh, the rest of the world as far as our uh, our carbon production through oil. But now we've got a big customer in arms sales over there. And I know you were touching upon protectionism and foreign trade. What's your opinion uh, of our arms sales uh, with so a, a foreign I'll see. It's as
1: outrageous as Great Britain. Notice, Great Britain makes a tremendous what we don't sell to Saudi Arabia. Great Britain does, right? See, here's the thing, Tommy. You remember this because I know you you pay attention to the markets. It was shortly after Barack Obama was elected we discovered the massive oceans of oil underneath the Dakotas. You remember that? And it was yes. it was it was when I saw that that I said, "Wait a minute." They admittedly said this is a tenth of what we think is there, and it's enough to keep America going for 200 years. And I said, this is great. This is great. And that's when all the companies went out to the Dakotas, and they were putting the, you know, you remember they took that little town and the rent went to $3,000 for a studio apartment. And um, the reason was is that they found something that would not only benefit America, but would plummet the price of oil around the world. And it would make us competitive because we could deliver to you not just crude oil, and as you know, our light sweet crude oil, the quality of American oil, is ten times better than Saudi Arabian garbage. That it would pull down the prices, profit Americans, it would benefit Europeans, it would benefit everybody. And then what happens? These oil producing companies say, whoa, 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 whoa. Stop it right there. Right? That's when Tom Steyer realized his profit in his oil companies might go sideways. So what does he do? he goes into green energy and he gets the Sean Castins and the frauds uh, Cortez of the world to tell you therefore you live you're guilty and you got to be taxed they, it's all about price protecting and it's about price protecting the main vein of the blood of Amer- of life of earth and that's oil the blood of humanity is oil and what the, what you're seeing is we have picked our favorite devil in the saudi arabians and we guarantee their profit, their production, their distribution. And we just want a piece of the action. But to me, see, when I grew up, we were supposed to be the white hat guys, right? We were the lone ranger. We were the ones who made sure everything was right because it was in that fundamental correctness that the whole world benefited. And in the meantime, ironically, by us doing this, we've destabilized everything. We're the ones that created it, uh, everything from, from Iran to Venezuela. We created it all. Because we picked our favorite and we did everything we could to protect them, arm them, defend them, so much so that the American people don't even know where the hell we are. You ask the average guy, how many wars are we even fighting? You can't get a damn answer. You don't know. Just every once, every once in a while a guy will die in Africa, and you say, oh, what the hell are we doing there? Oh, humanitarian work. You know, that's the joke. You say humanitarian work and everybody shuts their mouth. Now you've got the, 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 mil, the military uh, missionaries... Uh, from the boss's uh, uh, brother, right? He's got Blackwater. They changed the name of that. This guy's got contracts for trillions of dollars, which, listen, if you want to privatize war, that's a separate argument. But in the meantime, what you get to do is you get to double black ops budget, which is what Trump did, and you get to have mercenaries fighting on lands without any oversight, without any variant, without any control, without any American knowledge. And yet, you've got the media telling you how $55 oil is good. Tom, do you remember when Bush got elected, and they freaked out when oil went above twenty three dollars? ten dollar oil was a lot of fun. Yeah, but now, now For look
2: consumer,
1: at that is. yeah, look at the American people. Oh, gee, I hope oil goes up. You got fifty percent of the people have stock, fifty percent don't. The people that don't are looking at the stock market. They're the ones telling me, "Sure, the economy's good." Ignore the closed commercial businesses. Ignore the the destruction of small business. Focus on the stock market. Stock market's up. I mean, it's like a bunch of moron zombies, walking around just being told what to think. It's driving me crazy. It really is. And here's the thing. I wanted this. I want him to do good. I don't hate Trump. You know, I, I get pulled, pulled off in this corner. You know, you're starting to sound like a never-Trumper. I like Trump. Listen, some of the shit he says, I can say that. It's a podcast. I cackle to <laughs> myself. I cackle to myself. How about when he told the girl, you know, you ask, that's a stupid question. You ask a lot of stupid. I love that, Tom. Love it, this scumbag uh, uh, reporter who manned up against the girl trying to grab the microphone. Damn it, I forgot his name. It escapes. It escaped me. What the hell is Jim? Name? Jim? Uh, Ar- What's his name? Acossi- what No, starts with an A. Acosta. Jim Acosta. I haven't liked this scumbag for years. He's he's one of the top reporters who told us how good single payer health care is. It's going to be great. These are the same propagandists. So anytime. You know, somebody gets to slap them in their arrogant, useless, good-for-nothing, ideological, socialist face. I'm proud of them. Good for you. And the idea, did you see uh, when the girl tried to grab the mic the second time what he did?
2: I've seen the clips. We don't watch cable here, but we see it by
1: So here's the thing that he did that no one's talking against. He didn't hit her. I've heard guys say he hit He hit her. He didn't hit her. He didn't hit her at all. Here, but here's the thing: she's an intern. You know how those interns get the job? They're, they're kids, like our kids. They just know somebody, and she gets the job. It's probably your, you know, who knows? It might be your first job Monica ever.
2: Lewinsky was an intern. Exactly. Her father was a big donor to to Bill Clinton, and that's Bingo. how that's, got, she got the job. That's how
1: the yeah she got molested. And here's the other thing: so she's, she's a young girl, and she goes to grab the mic because Trump says you're done. And the way it works is she's got to give that mic to somebody else. So she goes to grab the mic. First, he pulls it away. Secondly, she goes to reach for it, and he puts he mans up. He doesn't hit her, but he does that thing that we all can do at any given moment where we man up. We get hard, where you pull back and you push your arm away. She's a young kid, and not one reporter said that was wrong. Not one. And it's outrageous to me. So you have this double standard of stupidity, where if my guy's doing something stupid, okay, fine, he's my guy, I'll let him do something stupid. That hurts all of us. So until, Demo- until Democrats get to look at this lady in Florida and say, hey, scumbag, you're a cheating rat bastard. You're lying. It doesn't matter what you say. And until Republicans can say, hey, dummy, what you're doing with the tariffs is, is making Alcoa rich. It's making Exelon rich. And it's screwing me and my, me, you, and everybody else. Until we can do that, we're in this deep sea of, of propaganda, just no direction. And it's going to get worse, brother, because, listen, you know where the House is going to come together with Trump? A mindless infrastructure. Mindless. It's going to be about everything. And who's going to be out there? All the connected wannabe gangsters, construction companies. Hey, Joe, how you doing? Good, getting the cement over here. The same scumbags who are rolling (laughs) dice at night, paying off politicians in the morning. This isn't going to benefit me and you or these kids here working. They're busting their ass for, for, you know, a, a small wage. How do they, what happens to these kids? You know where you and I got lucky? We're old. We were able to go down to a place and you could make a little something out of yourself. Whether you pissed it away or you invested it poorly, that's different. We did it and nobody could take it away from us. These kids, my kids, your kids, they don't have a shot. They're done. The debt, they can't even imagine it. The spending, their only hope is to get cut in on the bullshit, fraud, mafia, scam shit where you get to wait for your pension to kick in. That's their only hope. And that's, brother, bad for everyone. And that's what we got to fight against. And until you get Republicans to pull their head out of their ass, how are you gonna do it? How are you gonna do it? You're gonna do it through tariffs, through this nonsense, misdirection. You know, I tried to spend time national populist. This is all bullshit. It's all nonsense. This is about protecting the worst among us, guaranteeing profit so you can get paid off. And you got average joe's driving around saying this is great what are you guys nuts so that's my biggest beef with the look at you made me finish the show though tom thanks for calling panther You're ad- welcome good, I, day. good luck brother i really appreciate it this is the point this is when i say stand for something or bow for everything the problem is where are you getting the information where are you getting the guy that comes out and says what i just said and by the way the democrats suck and the republicans suck and they're better dressed where's that guy and moreover, where's the mission of it? Because you know what? You're going. We we are the true minority. Ironically, the capitalist, the guy asking for nothing, he's the minority. So you got to pick your favorite nonsense and just go all in on it. Yeah, me too. I want more free shit. Me too. Put me in for that. I mean, it's to, That's to the point where you got to go. I mean, but not here. We're gonna fight. Hey, I'm lucky enough. They gave me two-days-a-week podcast. Hopefully, it'll get better. And you know why they did a podcast? Because uh, I'm getting the hell out of Illinois as soon as possible. In fact, I'm going to spend a lot of this winter down there. I leave in a couple of weeks, actually two weeks from today. And uh, it's important. And you've got you to gotta figure out how to get to high ground because socialism kills. Socialism doesn't pay the bills. Socialism kills. Ooh, put that on a T-shirt. You know, we've got to start giving T-shirts we could buy. And if you want to support the show, uh, you can call in, send an email, tell people you listen. Uh, We're going to be offering Liberty Cigar Packs, you know, for the guys out there. Maybe you join a club, we give two or three or four cigars a month. We're working on all that. We're working out the kinks. I have, listen, I'm very thankful you tuned in. I'm still humbled and flattered. All of you that uh, care about my boy Mo, he's still here. He's got a Viking soul. We will be back Sunday night, 8 to 9, and we will be back Tuesday, 9.05, Wednesday, 9.05. Thank you so much for tuning in. I do appreciate it.